0: Thank you for welcoming me in such a very loving way. I appreciate that I'll take all the love back with me to Africa. Thank you. I don't know where to start from because (laughs) I'm overwhelmed by the generosity and the love of uh, Christian City Church family. I... You know, my grandfather gave me that name, David Livingstone. I didn't know where it would hang up and what would become of David Livingstone that you see here today. In 1971, when I was born, for many of you have come to know Uganda through Idi Amin. For some of you a little bit uh, older generation because he left a great uh, dark mark on the, the, the country of Uganda. But that was the same year as I was born in Uganda. And as always in African country, we have not learned about uh, uh, democracy that that, that well. So often you find that the government is overthrown by force and those who get in power, they want to hang on in there until their last minute drop from their position. So Uganda has experienced that for almost the last uh, 40 years or so. Uh, after today we had a president who had overthrown the government in 1986 and he's been in power ever since and he keeps manipulating and changing laws so that he can remain the president for life and um, whereas that has left a great uh, negative mark in the lives of other people and that including me so in that same year 1986 he overthrew the government in 87 there was a rebel group that formed up and they started fighting against the government uh, from my region, from northern Uganda, because of the unfairness or mistreatment they were going through. And then they said, Well, we are men, after all, we are not going to die like this. We must do something to defend our, ourselves. But in any case, I mean, not all war is good. Some war, others might think, is great. But to me, I think war is such a terrible thing because you you, you lose everything. It's not just only life. You lose values, things like moral values, social values, uh, economic activism. Many things goes down where there is war, uh, where we've been. And um, in that year, 1987, uh, we were abducted. Many, many, many children were abducted to be recruited into this war. I was one of those victims that was abducted. In very unforeseen circumstances, the rebels came and surrounded our school and they said, from this day, there's no more schooling. All the pupils, uh, girls and boys, some were taken away for slavery, some are taken away for sex, and some are recruited into the, the, the army. And I'm one of those guys who was more very inquisitive. I didn't think I wanted to be in this war because it was against my will. But because of fear or brutalities of how they would treat you, I had to play by the rule and, and and be there, and the treatment they gave us was just something i don 't know whether I have the time to describe it all to you, but it was very, very gruesome activities that you would not want to repeat it even in your mind for what it was uh, we 've gone through because when I was abducted, they asked me to carry their hot meals on a burning charcoal on my head and uh, run off into the jungle when the bombardment, the bullet from the soldiers were crisscrossing in in those areas. So for six months of the year, I have gone through with that trauma in my life. Then later on, uh, another groups of rebel they had a tension, they disagreed, and when the fighting broke out among themselves, that's how many of us managed to escape from the uh, the rebel activities. Then when we came into uh, Kidgum town we reported we said well we were abducted in such and such a place and uh, they took us with them for such a period of time and we want to be identified and recognized that we have come back give us some form of identity of some sort and the government army said no we don't believe you we think you've been sent in to spy on us and um, there we were thrown into prison and you become a prison of war. You know, for some of you, you've probably just read the books or watched the movies. But uh, for me, it was a real experience of being mistreated, abused, and there was no hope left there. You know, because you go to sleep in the morning, you wake up, somebody's dead next to you in the prison. You sleep in a cold, cement floor. Uh, you're just being mistreated, and there's no proper feeding and there's no proper care in those uh, early, late 80s. And and so we were going to be transferred from the main prison to what they would call a concentration camp, like a a work camp out there in in Western Uganda. So when they loaded us in the back of a big Mack truck, uh, they covered the roof with the canopy, and we couldn't see where we were going. And then they dumped us at the uh, railway station. So we were waiting for the train, to board the train, and then we can be transferred far, far, far down west of Uganda. And I was told that the place is very cold where we are going. So I knew I had an uncle that was a policeman in the city. And uh, from there, we were waiting for the train. I managed to sneak away from the cart of the train and cross the road and across the police barrack. And I started asking for my uncle, and people thought, Is this guy all right? Because I was dirty, grotty, and everything about me was questionable at the time. And uh, when they tried to interview me, I said, Yes, I'm normal. I've just come from that place. I'm looking for my uncle here. And a gentleman who knew my uncle said, Come in. So I got inside his house. He said, Why do you look the way you look? I said, Well, because I've just. Come out of the prison. We are actually prisoners waiting for the train at the railway station. We are going to be taken to Chiborara, which is in the west of Uganda. And he said, get inside, my son. So I got inside and he started explaining to me, he said, look, promise me that you're not going to bring me any trouble here because the place you're going to, nobody comes out from there alive. You know, everybody that goes there, nobody ever came out. So you're going to be killed. And I thought, wow, uh, thank you very much. So that like three o'clock in the afternoon, I waited until it was dark, seven in the evening, and then he sneaked me out of the barracks, he walked me outside the barracks, and that was my way of escaping out of that uh, situation. Now, my grandfather was a catechist in the Anglican church, and I knew something a little bit about God, but because of my experience, I just didn't like God at all. I said, God... You have forgotten about me, you know. I, I have no desire or anything to do with God. And, uh, but my consciousness tells me you're making a terrible mistake because you've seen how many people died in prison, how many people died in the bush, yet you have been preserved. For whatever reason, you are alive here today. So I, uh, my uncle looked after me in the city. He tried to get a school for me, which was not very easy. And finally, we got a school where you just go and learn to read and write and catch up with life. So I got into that school. Little did I know, this, Chris, this school belonged to the Christian groups of people. And um, so every morning, you know, you have to pray. Every morning, you have to learn to read the scripture. That's where you begin your learning from. And I'm like, this is a mistake, you know. I, I really didn't want to be here. And uh, little by little, the teacher was very uh, passionate about me. After they investigated about my background, my story, my experience, they lovingly, kindly nurtured me into the love of Christ. And uh, so in 1988, just around about 10 o'clock in the morning in the classroom, I knelt down there, and I really gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that day, uh, things turn around you know. my auntie, I went back with great excitement, I gave my life to the Lord, I feel the glow of joy all over me and I thought my auntie was going to say glory to God, he's given his life to the Lord, no that's not what she said she said well in this home, this is a Catholic home, now that you've moved into so called Christianity I think it's best that you leave my home and I'm like God this is not good I thought everything was going to be okay from this point onward and um, things just didn't turn out okay my auntie threw me out and um, closed the door and threw my clothes through the window and said goodbye so my spirit was dropped dead in me. I was so bitter, so angry and said God this is not good I went to school, I said look please give me transport money there is war going on in northern Uganda but I want to get back and live my life and die from there because this is a place I don't know anybody, and I don't want to die here. And so the teachers thought, well, David, if you go back, surely you're going to die. It's not good. Let us try to find a place for you that you can stay. And then they found this little grandmother. She was uh, an Australian, a New Zealander, and she's been Africanized. She lived in Africa since 1985. And um, it's a nice little missionary lady. She. Took me in and uh, she started re- recruiting me into civilized life, you know. And every day she said, Have you bathed this morning? I said, No, I haven't washed. it, Get into the bathroom now. And um, in the evenings, she would say, Have you washed? I said, No, I said, get into the bathroom now. And um, did you feed the dog? I said, No, I said, go and feed the dog. And, um, you know, uh, did you set the table? I said, no, set the table. And, and uh, you know, I would sit there and, and put my elbow on the table. So, this is not how we sit in this house. Remove your elbow from the table. And this is how we hold knives and forks. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I was not for this, you know. Uh, 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 it was hard because of my background. But at the same time, God was in the making of this thing. Uh, After I finished the school, I went and learned some trade. I did woodwork, carpentry, and joinery. And uh, life getting better and better. I was very happy. I was very happy in the church and doing a great, wonderful work for the Lord among the youth. And there was another lady, something about Australia, I just don't know why. (laughs) Another lady from Australia here, she was a member of Christian City Church in Oxford Falls. She gave her life to the Lord in 1982. And later on, she felt the call of God in her life to go to Africa. And she went to Uganda. And from Uganda, she went to Kitgum, to my hometown. And while the war was going on, life was very difficult and tough. This lady, her husband, just couldn't handle the situation in Kitgum. And he kicked off. He ran back to Australia and left this poor woman there in Kitgum, my home area. So this woman, when she heard of me, she said, please, can you come and help me? And... Um, you know, it was kind of risky for me because my beautiful lady was studying in Jinja, Catherine, and I thought, I don't want to risk because the war is going on. I could easily be killed in northern Uganda. But for the love of God and to serve him, I gave up everything in the city and went in the village to serve with uh, Irene Gleason. And I've worked with her. That's uh, child care. Uh, at the time, it was called Child Care International. I worked with her from 1994 after about four years ago and um, in 1995 she introduced me to christian city church so i've been coming and attending christian city church uh, since then in 1999 uh, phil pringle asked me to uh, go and pioneer a christian city church in africa and uh, in obedience to the call of god i have accepted the responsibility of doing so little did i know what would be the outcome of this thing Um, I mean, I love God and I wanted to serve Him, no doubt about that. And I, 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 if I could pastor, I want to pastor a church, and that's what I chose to do. But I didn't know, like, you know, when you become a pastor, you, you, you dedicate babies. You know, you, you, you marry, you join people in marriages, and, 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 and actually you do bury the dead at some time. You've got to do this kind of thing. Now, this was not my type of pastor. I thought it was just nice to preach the gospel, people repent, come to Jesus and pray over them and miracles happening and healing happen and that was all I wanted to do. But the responsibility grew as the ministry expanded. And um, so I I have been there uh, throughout the war where life was very difficult. There were ambushes and landmines on the road. In fact, just to let you know, uh, in 1999, when we left after we have been prayed for and ordained and prophesied over, we have been given all the power and the authority to go and cast out demon and break the back of the devil out there. Uh, we got back to uh, Uganda and that very, on the 31st of December, we were involved in a very serious ambush. Me and my wife, Catherine, we were there. And yet on that very uh, new, the following new year, we were to start a church. Uh, in, in, in Kitgum, a first Christian city church in, in Africa. I, after the ambush, we ran back into another nearby district. We took those who were wounded and injured, and then we went to another district called Lera. After that, we managed to make our way on the, on the first to Kitgum to start the church on the 7th of January. That very same uh, weekend before the Sunday, a wedding ring got caught at the edge of the metal on the truck. I jumped down. I lost a finger. And I was very, very unhappy about that, but I knew that, um, you know. I said, God, we've been prayed over, we've been prophesied over, and now why? Do I lose a finger, you know, in the middle of all this, this kind of thing? And w- when you think about doing something for the kingdom of God, you must prepare your mind for the unexpected situation, Eventually Things happen to be honest, because the whole hell will be loose against you. That's what I've discovered. Now, had somebody told me that earlier, believe me, I would not have given my term into that kind of ministry. But because God was a part of this, and God was sending us to do His bidding in Africa, in obedience to that call, I have seen tremendous blessing and wonders happening in Africa. In um, 2001, in the middle of a war zone, yes, the risk was real of moving out into the community was not very easy because of ambushes and landmines. And back in 1992, I've been carrying this burden of starting a Christian radio station in in, in our country. And um, that burden continued to grow in on me. I shared it with uh, the lady I was working with at the time, Irene Gleason, she said, well, God did not call me here to start a radio station. If you want to start a radio station, you find your own way. But my burden was for the people whom we cannot reach, knowing that they were suffering in the dark corner of their land, in their world. We are not able to reach them because of the situation on the ground. And I knew that if we can only have a radio station, we would reach even more greater numbers of the people with the radio ministry. So I shared with some of our well wishes great friends David Style David Black and disciple show my ideas they embraced my dreams for the radio station and we set up a radio station and ever since then we have been ministering to countless numbers of people in in northern Uganda uh, during this war time the abduction that were taking place the killing that were happening in the community many people have lost hope because the government was not doing anything to change the situation in fact what the government did was gather the people out they just gave an ultimatum that everybody in 48 hours they should be in a a, a camp and there was no preparation no planning, no nothing in the camp but yet everybody went to what they call internally displaced persons camp and everybody was in this camp there was no tent, no huts, no nothing and the rain comes and pour in you know, on people and diseases and suffering and death. So many people have lost their lives. In fact, there was the uh, UNSC, gave a report uh, around about uh, 2003. There was like uh, 1,000 people are dying every week in this IDP camp, which was very, very, very bad. And so many of the women whose husband were abducted or killed, children were abducted or killed, they were in terrible suffering and pain. This particular incident, I was in a radio station uh, preaching, you know, teaching and, and encouraging the people in the community. And of course, the rebels were not happy with us. And um, they wrote a letter They said, we will burn your radio station down if you don't stop you know, preaching and talking against us. And uh, there was no electricity. I was running this great generator that would make noise like a grinding mills You could hear for miles and miles away. And the rebel tried very hard to bombard our radio station. And one particular night, they came to my home. They fired bullets all over my place, my car in the bedroom. A windows bullets were crisscrossing through my wall. Those risks were real. But the impact of the ministry... Uh, It's just gone beyond anything we can imagine. We reach over one million people in northern Uganda and in southern Sudan. Our home became a, a church, a delivering center, where people would walk for miles and bring their children for us to pray for because they've had the message on the radio. The healing took place in my place. delivering took place in my home. This particular night, I preached, just say, look, you're not alone in this suffering. We've all gone through this. There's no need for you to give up now. Let us have that hope. Things will change. The situation will get better. This particular lady was ready actually to commit suicide in her own home because she looks around her. Her husband was dead. Her children were abducted. After the IDP comes, she went back home and there was nobody to help her. And the trauma of thinking... I was a wife, a mother. Now I am a widow, without a husband, without children. What is my life worth living for? And she went to the clinic, she bought some tablets, she just wanted to take and commit suicide. And when I was preaching, the Spirit of the Lord reached out to her and said, just put the radio on, and she did. And um, when the message was going out, she actually gave her life to the Lord. And later on she came testifying to us in the church that our message on the radio has reached out to her and opened her eyes and she's now saved. And so with this kind of testimony, honestly there are many, many, many more testimony like that. Uh, a, gent- a soldier who was in the hospital he was in the front line he got injured on his back his wife ran away from him with another man. So As he was in the hospital, he wrote everything down how he was going to kill his wife, kill the other man, and finish the in-laws from their home and just disappeared. And they would say that the rebel has done that. And while he was in the hospital on his sick bed, he just put the radio on. And the message of hope and forgiveness and love was going on. Little did we know this man was listening to us out there. And when all this was over, he called, he said, please, I want these preachers to come. And so we went and visited him in the hospital, and he started narrating all his systematical plan he had put in place to go and uh, do this to his wife for the fact that he broke his back and his wife ran away with another man. That was what he was going to do. And so now we look like, you know, we, this radio is truly a God radio station. For their life has transformed. Because goodness knows how many people this man would have wiped out from his in-laws and and the rest of other innocent people. So seeing what God has done through uh, this ministry, I am very grateful first to uh, Chris and Phil Pringle for having identified some quality in us to trust us to take uh, Christian City Church in, in Africa. Uh, under my ministry, I have 15 churches we are planted now in the northern Uganda, in the region of Kitgum and Pade, And, Chris, and uh, Chris has been coming there, heading out the women conferences every other year, except for this year because of the present here and also Kuala Lumpur uh, conference. But every other years, has been coming and encouraging us. We've gone through some very difficult challenges. In the ministry uh, we parted company with the, the, the lady who was introduced us to uh, Christian City Church she decided to take a different friend of life and I thought well if I have to make a choice in what to do I will stick with the church because it is the God business you know there's a scripture we read in Matthew chapter 6 where it says you cannot serve two masters you can either love the other one and hate the other one and I felt that since God has saved me and, and He opened the doors for me to serve Him, I think there is a reason in that. He wants me to serve Him. So we've been serving the Lord. Um, this is the first time in four years we've been away from Australia. Uh, I've come back and I'm like, wow, God, you are an amazing God. How you have nurtured us and brought us back into the, the place of responsibility and the love that we have received from great, great friends like you guys and Guth, Thank you for coming and visiting us and being a witness of what God is doing in, in Africa. We're very grateful for that. And really, that is, I mean, I have to summarize this story in. Otherwise, there's a long testimonies after testimonies of what God has brought us through. And, and today we stand here as a miracle because many people have lost their life in this war where I come from. Uh, Many of my age men have given up hope, others ended up in alcoholism, others throughout the experience in the IDP camp, they've just lost everything, they've lost families, they've lost values for life, but the fact that I can still stand and transform the lives of other young people through the media and reaching out into Sudan, uh, which has been also in war for so many years and under the influence of Arabic to forcefully change you into a Muslim, all that kind of thing, yet... Without a passport, without any uh, hindrances, the media can actually shoot through that border and reach out to the people in southern Sudan. They actually call us from southern Sudan when they're listening to the program on the radio and saying thank you and encouraging us. That is a great, great joy uh, in so doing. Yes, uh, the radio station has gone through... Uh, it's phase of you know. There is need now for us to upgrade into the next because the other radio station has come into the area. We have gone. We have become the smaller little radio station. Uh, our power transmitter has died in because it's been working for such a very long time, and uh, so many many things have gone right down. But uh, we have appealed to any well wishers to help in uh, uh, helping us to update the equipment in the radio station. Uh, to keep the ministry. We, we could have taken the trend of compromise to start you know, getting other programs which may not necessarily be good for the kingdom to make money, but I thought, no, if this radio station is going to die, I want it to die dignified. But if it's going to live, I want it to live for the kingdom of God. We will not compromise anything in, in this regard. So that is uh, the difficulties because when you don't compromise, there's no way. Economically, northern Uganda is not doing very well and that is why we have appealed for well wishes. And thank you for many of you who have responded to support us in, in, in that endeavor. We are very, very, very grateful and thankful. Uh, I represent over 1,000 uh, members of our churches in northern Uganda. And uh, whatever I do here, when I go back, I give them all the update and a report. So that's the kind of people you are reaching. But the radio station reaches more than that because the northern Uganda for 1.5 million people uh, we have been up, uh, valuing Peace Radio because the reason they value Peace Radio, during the war we were the only one radio station that was ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. And where there was war, there was fear and there was need for God. And we were the one offering God to the people in northern Uganda. And therefore we have earned that respect. You know, people respect us for that. So the reason I could not compromise That would jeopardize what seed we have already planted in the heart and the minds of the people in northern Uganda for that cause. So thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to come and share our testimony with you. God bless you.